Almost a year ago, Pastor Ryan announced that we were starting a brand new ministry here at Generation Church. He announced we were starting Chosen, our foster and adoption ministry. And Chosen is incredibly special to me because I actually would not be here if it were not for adoption. My dad was actually adopted. I have a picture of his family. This is my dad and my grandparents. He was in foster care for six months before he was placed in their home. And thank God he was placed into a loving Christian family who raised him to know and love Jesus. And because of that, I am here today. And the My dad carried on the tradition, and my parents actually adopted two children. I have two siblings that are adopted. Now, first, I know when you look at this picture, you think, wow, that family is the epitome of cool. (laughs) I mean, we have got it going on. I'm just, yes, I'm going to point out that I am wearing jean capris, okay, and Old Navy platform flip-flops. I was a complete dork until I was at least a solid 25 years old. (laughs) But this is my family. Sean, my brother here in the front, he came into our home when he was 15 months old. Uh, It was a foster care situation. And my parents legally adopted him when he was three. And then Annie, my sister, my parents were actually at the hospital when she was born. And I remember I went to school after winter break when I was in fifth grade. And I told all of my friends that I got a sister for Christmas. And it was the best gift that I had ever received because I was the only girl for a really long time. And I really wanted a sister. But what's so amazing about this picture is I don't look at this picture and think, oh, that's my biological brother Tim and those are my adopted siblings. That's not how I see it at all. These are my siblings. Those are my brothers and my sister. And I love them all the same. And then most of you know that Pastor Ryan and I continued the tradition. And we adopted our sweet baby girl, Lila, almost two years ago. She's the greatest gift to us. This picture up in the corner is us in the hospital. Uh, This was our first family picture right after we met her for the very first time. And then right next to that, you'll see the picture of us on her official adoption day. Uh, It was during COVID, so that's the judge right there on the computer in my kitchen. But that was a very special day for us. And then we have a picture of her, very, of her first birthday party where we celebrated the greatest gift of, of Lila that God has given us. And then this one's just a really cute picture of her because why not? I mean, she's adorable. But through my whole life, I've seen, I've lived the beauty of adoption. I've seen God take really broken stories and weave them together into beautiful families and create something really special. But I want you to know tonight that we didn't just start Chosen because adoption runs in my family and we think it's cool. We started Chosen because we know this ministry represents the heart of God. James 1.27 
says pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Religion that's pure before God is not a lot of Bible knowledge. It's not worship. It's not a good prayer life. Now, don't get me wrong. All those things are important. They're vital. They're necessary. We need them. But... In order for us to have pure and genuine religion, we also must care for orphans and widows in order to align our heart with God's heart. And as his people, we should want to do that. We should want to care for orphans, for children in need. They truly are the most vulnerable amongst us. And they have a special place in God's heart. And because they have a special place in God's heart, they should also have a special place in our heart. Now, there are children all over the world who are in need. And we're going to talk about that in the coming weeks. But this is a problem here in our own city. This is a problem here in Arizona. Arizona leads the nation in children in foster care per capita. Over 14,000 children are currently in the foster care system in our state. Every child, all 14,000 of those children have experienced trauma. And most of them have experienced trauma in several different ways. On average, 25 to 30 kids enter the system every single day. Each year, almost 800 Kids will turn 18, they'll age out of the system, and they pretty much get a see you later, good luck. And of those kids, 60% of the boys will be convicted of a crime. Seven out of 10 of the girls will become pregnant by the age of 21. And half, half will be homeless by the age of 24. Approximately one in four children in foster care will struggle with post-traumatic stress disorder. Children. As the church of Jesus Christ, this should break our hearts and cause us to respond with action. And Generation Church, that's what we're doing. We are responding with action. We're not just going to see a problem. We're going to try to be a solution to the problem. And we know we're just getting started, but we are praying and believing that over the next several years, there will be hundreds of kids and teenagers running through the halls of all of our campuses Going to G-Kids, attending Gen Youth because they have been placed with G-C foster families or they have been adopted by families in our church. Now, some will be with us for a very short time and others will be with us forever because they were adopted. But I can tell you this, while they're in our care, we will take care of them. We will show them the love of Jesus and teach them about their heavenly father who loves them so much. See, Chosen, it's not just another ministry here. Chosen is a movement. It's a movement that will move God's heart. And we're believing it's going to change our city. But it's also going to change the hearts of hundreds. And we're praying thousands of kids. 
for eternity. And I have good news for you tonight. It doesn't take a lot to make a big difference. It really doesn't. Josh Shipp is a former foster teen, and he said this, every kid is one caring adult away from being a success story. One caring adult. And we know that studies have shown that the number one difference between foster kids who flourish and foster kids who don't is the existence of one person who truly cared about them, even if it was for a short time. Church, it only takes one. Watch this video. We've got to watch her thrive and get her healthy. And their mom, to this day, still texts me. I can't believe it. She's been, she actually talks to us. She's happy. She sings. She smiles when we have her. That's awesome. Like, she wasn't crawling when we first got her. Within the first two weeks, she was crawling, sitting up on her own. Wow. Yeah. Eating. Um, it was it, it was amazing to watch her grow. And That's so cool. Mm-hmm. It's awesome because having they thrive in secure places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening with them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so yeah. awesome. She was in the 15th percentile when we got her. And... Uh, but for her last appointment, which we had her a couple weeks after that, she was in the 45th percentile in just two weeks. Like Liam would do video, like he would get his little tablet out and play, because um, she loves electronics. So to get her to start crawling and practicing those skills, we would just, we would record it at the same time, but film her chasing after the tablet. And she, she would do that and do to where she was doing like this full circle around the room. So she, we were able to just watch her develop and help her with the development skills and just watch her just grow in that. She could barely crawl on her belly when we first got her. And then, but once she had the space, there was no stopping her. Like she just needed the opportunity to do it. And it was nurturing. Yeah. yeah. All the love, all the love. She never got to really bond with anyone, and you're creating that bond. And she needed to feel secure because um, before they said she didn't really attach to anyone. Um, She didn't like to be held. And we found she wasn't a fussy baby. She was a normal baby who, who, who would cry when they were hungry or were tired, but she was extremely happy, extremely giggly. She was a lot of fun and she loved to explore things and she just needed the opportunity to explore things. And that was really fun to be able to do that with her. And they say for these kids, uh, they only need one, one person in their life that will change the rest of their life. To be able to be that person for someone, I mean, changed our life yeah too that's the other thing I how mean, did it change your life well beforehand i mean it was very easy to fall into a uh, a rut of sorts where you just get in this mode of you know we have our kids we're gonna, we're gonna they're gonna do this or they're gonna go here we're gonna do these activities this is gonna, how we're gonna raise them and you kind of create this bubble but when you bring something like this into your home when i say this i mean the ability to say okay we're gonna open ourselves up and we're going to love somebody else and we're going to help change our life. It, it 
you can't help but have it change your own life because it's gonna shift. It's gonna shift how you think about things. It's gonna change how you approach things. You're gonna look at things through a different with a different perspective, through a different lens you never saw before. So it, it, it changes you too. It, starting foster care was something that we'd always talked about. I think for us, it was something that we had seen other people do it. We had had conversations with people, and it started to rebubble up to the surface. That we said, you know what, maybe we should. You know, we are at a place that we, where we can do this. It wasn't until we went to a, an info meeting where uh, the church brought in another organization to talk about it, and they had given the stats, they given the numbers, and while we knew we couldn't solve the whole problem. We said we can be part of a solution here and we can actually play some role. And for us, I think that's where it really started to click, where it was, okay, let's just move forward with this. Let's do it. We know there's going to be struggles. We know there's going to be challenges, but we'll figure it out and we'll just do it. It's a decision you can't take lightly, but I would say it's a decision that you should absolutely do. And I'll tell you why. Pastor Ryan touched on this when he was talking about when he gave you know his sermon on Chosen, introducing Chosen. He, he read from... Uh, James where he said, pure religion is this, those who take care of widows and orphans. And as I began to study that, it, it became, hey, this isn't an opinion. This is, this is not a suggestion. This is an actual direction. This is what you need to do. And so what I would say to people who are looking at it is don't be, you, don't be afraid of, of all the objections that you're going to come up with in your head. You know, part of it is just taking that first step, saying, okay, what do I need to do to learn more? What classes do I need to go to to figure out the resources? I know Generation has chosen. I know they're going to have resources that I could take advantage of. Take advantage of those resources. When we started the process, there was no chosen ministry. There was, the generation wasn't doing anything to share. It was, it, was a, it was a seed in our mind we were gonna do this, but we didn't have access to the resources. Going along the way, we had, we had people kind of give us ideas and talk to us, but we didn't really have guidance. We didn't have you know, a set and say, okay, do this, and this, and this. There was no process. It was figure it out. And I think that that's such a huge blessing that our church has now, that there's a community. And there are people who, are, who can help you, who walk alongside of, you, alongside of you with not just advice or information, but they can also help you with resources. And so just, you know, take advantage of the resources, get to first base before you start mounting third, take advantage of the resources that the church has, go talk to people, go ask questions, learn from real world experiences, and, and, and you'll see how it's going to work in your own family. That's amazing. I can tell you changed your have to to a get to. Yeah. And it's, it's affected your whole attitude. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm grateful we're not alone because we have chosen. I'm so grateful for that. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. This is just the story of one family in our church decide, that decided they were going to be the ones who would make a difference. But we believe that our church is filled with people who can be the one to make a difference. And there's a lot of different ways that you can be involved and be a part of the solution. And I'm just going to real quickly talk through all the different facets that are available to you through Chosen. And then later in the service, you'll hear about how you can actually get plugged in. Obviously, the first one is adopt. You could adopt a child through the state or through private infant adoption and have a permanent placement, a new child in your home. You could be a foster parent or a foster family. And this is a huge need. This is temporary placement after removal 
from an unfit living environment. And these kids, they just need somewhere to go. So why not go to a home filled with the love of Jesus? Now, we know that not everyone is called to adopt. Not everyone is called to be a foster parent. And that's okay. But everyone is called to do something. So maybe you could become a CASA. This is a court-appointed special advocate. And these are people who are actually appointed by judges. And you would be an advocate for a child's best interest in court. Or maybe you could be a mentor. And that's just what it sounds like. You would mentor a foster kid. They just need a supportive adult who is committed to seeing them succeed. Or maybe you could be a family that provides respite care. These are families who temporarily care for other foster families, foster children. So when the foster family needs a break, they have somewhere safe where they can send their foster children. You could be a part of a wraparound team for foster families. This team provides practical, tangible, and spiritual support for foster families. Maybe you could join our GC Chosen ministry team. This is the team that puts on the events that we host here for foster kids and group homes. You could uh, support those, the families that are fostering. You could help meet tangible needs and so much more through joining the ministry team. You could be a part of our OCJ Kids Foster Group Home team. This is a weekly interaction with kids in a group home. You would have a personal relationship with them. You'd be able to teach them valuable life skills and help them meet just practical needs. And we actually have an OCJ group home that comes to Gen Youth every single Sunday night. And we're believing that it's the first one and there's going to be several others that follow suit and join Gen Youth and bring their kids to youth every single Sunday. You could also be on our group home support team. These are the people that just provide help, supplies, baked goods, planning activities or parties for the group homes. Or maybe you could just give to support this ministry. But whatever it is, however you get involved, you can do something. And I'm going to ask you tonight as I continue my message that you would just ask God to speak to your heart about how you and your family can be a part of Chosen. Just ask him, listen, and then do what he says. Psalm 68, 4 and 5 says, His name is the Lord. Rejoice in his presence. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. Now, can we just talk about this verse for a minute? I mean, think about this. It says, his name is the Lord. His dwelling is holy. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He has infinite strength. And at the very same time, he cares about the brokenhearted. He cares about the vulnerable. He cares about the lonely, the forgotten. He truly is Father God. He is a Father. And tonight, I want you to know that the heart of the Father also applies to you. God wants to be your 
Father. 2 Corinthians 6.18. And I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This verse is just as powerful. The Lord Almighty, creator of the universe, wants to be your father. This verse is written to you. He wants you to be his son. He wants you to be his daughter. So I just have, honestly, a really simple message for you today. But it's foundational and it's incredibly powerful. So maybe you're here tonight and you're just now starting your Christian walk. Maybe you are new to the faith and you're still discovering all about who God is and how much he loves you. This message is for you. Or maybe you're here tonight and you've been a Christian for 30 years and you know all the verses about all of the things. This message is also for you tonight. It's a reminder of the foundation of our faith that God is your father. Or maybe you're here tonight and you don't know God yet. He's not your father yet. But wherever you're at on your journey, wherever you are in your relationship with God, the truth that God is your Father should bring peace to your soul. Uh, when I was around 11 years old, I was getting ready for bed. I was at home, and it was around bedtime, and I was uh, walked into my room. And you know how when you walk into a room and you can just tell that something's wrong? You can just like feel it in your soul. I walked into my room and I had this feeling. I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what. And so little 11-year-old me just starts looking around the room to try to figure out like why I felt so uneasy in the moment. And I looked at my window and my blinds were closed, but there was a gap about this big at the bottom. And when I looked at my window, I saw eyes. There was a, a man on the other side of my window and I could see his eyes and I could see that he had a black hoodie around his face and it was scrunchied, you know, so you could only see his eyes. And obviously in the moment I was terrified and rightfully so. And I froze with fear. And the first thing that popped into my head was, I just need my dad. I need my dad because I knew that my dad loved me. I knew that he would take care of me. I knew that he would protect me. So as soon as that thought popped into my head, I ran out my room and I screamed for my dad as long and as loud as I could. And guess what? He did all the things that I thought he was going to do. He stepped in. He took care of the situation. He took care of me. He protected me. Now, I am so blessed that I have an incredible dad. Like, he really is the best. If you knew him, you would want him to be your dad. <laughs> That's how good he is. But I know that many of you didn't have that experience. So it's kind of hard for you to truly understand 
what it means that God is your father and that he's a good father. Because we naturally compare our relationship with our earthly father to our relationship with our heavenly father. But no matter where your dad fell on the scale of dads, there's no earthly father who's perfect. Not even close, because they're all human, right? So all of us, in some way, we have a hard time truly accepting that God is our father and what that really means. But thankfully, we don't have to figure this out all on our own. Romans 8.16 says, For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So if you're confused tonight, if you're unsure, if you have doubts, if you think this couldn't be true, ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you the truth. Ask the Holy Spirit to confirm in your soul that God is your Father and that's a good thing. I want to point out some foundational truths for us today. And first, I want you to know that you have a father who loves you. I'm going to say it again because I really want it to sink in. You have a father who loves you. Now, just this simple statement, it can be kind of hard to wrap our mind around, but it's life-changing. It's eternity-shifting. It's profound and it's incredible. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. There is absolutely nothing that can change the fact that God loves you. He loves you. And I've come to understand, I've come to understand the love of a parent a lot more since we brought Lila home. We were in the hospital with her for three days before we knew for sure she was ours. And those were the longest three days of my whole life. But the moment that they said, it's official, here's your daughter, my heart exploded and grew ten times bigger than it was two minutes before. And you know what's so funny? Once I decided that I loved her, I never changed my mind. It didn't matter how much she didn't sleep at night. It didn't matter how much she pooped on me. She's starting the whole, like, toddler to fits. Like, yeah, still love her. I know that there's so many more things in the future that I have to look forward to. But you know what? I can guarantee still going to love her. Because she's my daughter. And every night when we put her to bed, we pray together as a family. It's the cutest thing in the history of the world. But we pray together. I kiss her on her forehead. And every single night I say, sweet baby girl, mommy loves you. Daddy loves you. But God loves you the most. I want her to know now the foundation that God is her father and that he loves her because it changes everything. And the best news of all is that her heavenly father loves her more than I ever could. 
Her heavenly father loves her more than Ryan ever could because he loves her perfectly. He's a perfect God who is love. So he only loves perfectly. It's unending, it's never changing, and it's bigger and better than any love you could even imagine. Ephesians 3.18 says this, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And the ultimate act of God's love can be seen in and through Jesus. Because he loves you, he sent Jesus for you. And I really wanted this point to say, he sent Jesus for you. Because yes, God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. But listen, if you were the only person in the world, he still would have sent Jesus. You can insert your name where it says world. For God so loved Sarah. For God so loved Aaron. For God so loved Caitlin that he sent Jesus. First, God sent Jesus to teach you. He sent him to teach you. And Jesus taught us a lot while he was on the earth about how we should live, about the way we should think. And he also taught us a lot about who God is. And as I was studying and preparing for this sermon, it really stood out to me that Jesus wanted us to know God as Father. Throughout the four Gospels, Jesus refers to God as Father 189 times. That's a lot of times. 189 times. And while Jesus walked the earth, we see such a solid example of a father-child relationship and what that looks like for a child of God to have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. First, I think about Jesus' baptism. Jesus walks into the Jordan. He's baptized by John the Baptist. The sky opens up. The Holy Spirit descends, and we hear the audible voice of God. And what did he say? He said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Now think about this. Jesus hadn't really done anything yet. He hadn't turned water into wine. He hadn't walked on water. He hadn't raised Lazarus from the dead. He hadn't died on the cross yet. But God is saying, this is my son with whom I am well pleased simply because of who Jesus was. I also think about Jesus praying in the garden of Gethsemane right before he was crucified. We read in Mark 14. He, being Jesus, went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Here we see Jesus crying out to God in desperation to take away the suffering he knew he was about to experience on the cross. And what does he say? Creator of the universe. No. 
Lord Almighty. No. What did he cry? Abba, Father. Abba, Father. He cried out to his Father. This phrase, Abba, Father, is only found three times in all of Scripture. The first time we see it here with Jesus in the garden. And the second time we see when Paul writes Romans 8. Paul in Romans 8.15 said, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. The third time we see this phrase is in Galatians, also written by Paul. And he's stating very similar that we are becoming children of God and we are calling him Abba, Father. So on one hand, in these three instances, we see Jesus, the Son of God, who lived a blameless, perfect life. He was fully God and fully man, and he's crying out to Abba, Father. And on the other hand, we have Paul, who used to be Saul, and identified himself as the worst sinner of all. How is it possible that both of these people could cry out to a holy God with the same familial relationship? I mean, you wouldn't really think that it's possible for both of these people to have the same access to God, but they do. They can both cry out, Abba, Father. Why? Because God didn't just send Jesus to teach you. He sent Jesus to save you. It's through Jesus' death on the cross, the sacrifice of God's perfect and only son, that we can even be adopted into God's family. This is what makes us his children. This is what opens the door to all of God's promises in our life. This is what changes our relationship with God. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. When we accept Jesus into our lives, it changes everything. This is what happened to Paul. He was Saul, the worst sinner of all. He was on a mission to kill all Christians. And he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he got a new name, he got a new identity, he got a new purpose, he got a new family. And all of these things are available to us. They're all available to us. We can be changed from sinner to forgiven. We can be changed from slaves to free. Our citizenship can be changed to heaven. Once you become his child, God sees you as his son. He sees you as his daughter. And that means that he is well pleased with you. Father God is well pleased with you. 
And he wants to lavish all of his good gifts on you. Hope, joy, peace, eternal life, just to name a few. John 1, 12. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And in closing tonight, I just want to remind you of three rights that you have as God's child. Three promises that you can cling on to. First, because you are his child, he listens to you. Father God listens to you. Now, I love talking to my dad. I find that he's very easy for me to talk to because we're like exactly the same person. I am nothing like my mother, and I'm everything like my dad. <laughs> so I just really like talking to him. But I also know that it doesn't matter what he's doing. If I call, he's going to answer. And that I can talk to him about anything at any time because he's my dad and he wants to have a relationship with me. And there is just absolutely nothing better than when Lila says mama. I mean, Jesus, my heart, okay. <laughs> my heart just explodes when she says mama. And it doesn't matter what I'm doing. When I hear her say that, I'm going to run to her because I'm her mom and I want to take care of her. And God wants to have this same kind of relationship with you. He wants you to call out to him anytime, anywhere, about anything. And he'll answer you. This is your right as his child. 1 Peter 3.12, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. Who are the righteous? His children. Now don't get this confused. He's not a genie in the sky just waiting to grant all your wishes. He's your father who desires an intimate and personal relationship with you. So talk to him. I promise he'll love it. He wants to know you. And I promise that you'll love it too. Second, because you are his child, he cares for you. Here's just a short list of all the ways our heavenly father cares for us. He provides. He corrects. Yes, that is caring. He leads us and guides us. He protects you. He comforts you. He gives you peace, joy, and hope. Charles Stanley said it like this. Our Heavenly Father understands our disappointment, suffering, pain, fear, and doubt. He is always there to encourage our hearts and help us understand that he's sufficient for all of our needs. When I accepted this as an absolute truth in my life, I found that my worrying stopped. Now this is one that I need the Holy Spirit to remind me of very often. I've shared with you in the past that 
in the last few years that I've really struggled with anxiety in a new way that I've never experienced before. And I've recently started to do something new. And when I can feel the anxiety and the fear starting to bubble up on the inside, I don't care where I am or what I'm doing. I'll stop and I'll say out loud, why am I worrying right now? I am a child of God. And this might seem elementary to some of you, but speaking the truth out loud has power because God's word is true. And we know that 1 Peter 5, 7 says to give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. And why does he care? Because he's your father. Lastly tonight, because you are his child, he's called you to make a difference. Now this is not just a one-sided relationship. God has a plan for your life. He's given you a purpose, which is also a gift and a blessing. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love. As Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. As children of God, this is how we respond to the love of our Father. We become imitators of Him. How do we do that? We love who He loves. And we care about what He cares about. We walk in the love that we have experienced. And church, I want to ask you a question tonight. How can we know the love of God? How can we know the love of our heavenly father, the life-changing power of Jesus? How can we be adopted into his family and experience all the good gifts of our heavenly father, everything that he has freely lavished on us and not share it with people who need to know? They need to know. And we have to tell them, especially the most vulnerable among us. I'm going to close tonight with the same scripture verse that I started with. James 1:27. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. Will you stand with me tonight? just going to spend a few minutes in prayer. Maybe you're in the room tonight and you have never experienced the love of Father God because you've never accepted his love. You've never put your faith and your hope in Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity tonight. So if that's you, just say this prayer with me in your heart. Father God, we're so grateful for your love, and that you sent Jesus to die on the cross and pay the price for our sins. We know that we're sinners who desperately need a savior, and we know that Jesus is the answer. He is the only way that we can have a relationship with you. So tonight, we give you our hearts, 
We give you our lives. We pray that you would forgive us of our sins. You would make us clean. And from this day forward, we choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, can we just congratulate those who just decided to follow Jesus? And in response to this sermon tonight, as we're reflecting on the love of our Father, as we are standing on His promises and His gifts that He gives us, can we pray first that we would never forget just the simple foundation of how much God loves us? And also, can we begin to pray as a church family about how God will use us to change people's lives, to tell them about Jesus and make a difference. Let's pray. God, we love you. We're grateful for your love. We pray that we would never take it for granted, but because we have experienced your love in a life-changing way, God, we wanna be imitators of you. We want to love who you love and care about who you care about. So as a church family tonight, we ask that you would begin to lay on our heart the way that you have called us to make a difference. And Lord, we pray that we would respond with action. Lord, we love you. We're grateful for you. You are so good. In Jesus' name, amen.